day you're listening to MSC Radio and this is Lead the Wave with Ekta Samara. Today we chat to South African villager, award-winning storyteller and author of Scatterlings, Risho Ketchwe Manenje. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Ekta, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Are you laughing because I kind of butchered your name? <laughs> No, because I was drinking water and I was like, this was a, not a good moment to, to drink water. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, take us on a little trip back in time. Where did your journey as a writer begin? Yeah, so I started writing when I was in high school, when I was um, in, in grade eight or standard six. So I went to boarding school um, and... It, it was just such a shocking experience for me because I, I don't think I expected that. Like I knew for a while that I was going away for school, but when I did get there, it was actually very shocking to just like suddenly be so far away from home, from my parents, from my brothers, and we're a very close family. So I didn't know how to deal with all of that, um, as well as uh, just my changing body. You know, I was a teenager or a new teenager, like my hormones and all that stuff. So writing just became like a very easy outlet. So I just started writing a lot of poems just to kind of like deal with um, the changing world outside and my changing self. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got into writing was really just a coping mechanism. Okay, and do you remember the first story you wrote that was published? Where was it published and what was it about? Yeah, the first story that I, I published was around 2014, 2015. It was uh, called Southern Wind and it was published in the Kalahari Review. And it was about a girl who, or a woman rather, who was just dealing with uh, the death of someone who was very close to her, someone who raised her, her grandma. And, you know, and she was like in exile in London. So she was also just dealing with like her identity where she fit into the world. And also because South Africa was now newly uh, democratic. So she didn't know that she now have to go back to South Africa. She wasn't born here. So she didn't know if she could just, you know, continue being British or actually come back to the place where her ancestors were. Or, so it was just um, a story examining all of those things, um, you know, conflicting with each other. And what about poetry? What inspires the poems that you write? Yeah, I'm going to give a very cliche answer, but like, yeah, a lot of um, just the things I experience personally. So a lot of my poems tend to be about the self, about introspection, you know, about where I fit into the world. So it's a lot of existential stuff because a lot of the poems I write are just about my feelings, you know, just trying to make it in life. And like I said, I started writing because of, you know, just dealing with sudden difficulties in my life. Um, you might say, you know, I wasn't living in a war zone, like they weren't extreme or anything like that. But for me, like as a 12 year old, it was big. And obviously as I, I grew older, my problems got bigger. Um, and so like for me, a lot of the poems that I write will tend to be um, about the self, uh, identity, sense of belonging, home. So all of those kind of cliche <laughs> poetry things that, you know, a lot of poets, I think, draw draw from in general. Absolutely. I think poetry is, it's naturally cliche because um, you're supposed to resonate with it. it. It relates to a lot of people. You feel it in that way. So it has to be personal. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree with you. So yeah, that's that's how 
with my short stories and with my novels, I can literally write about anything. But with poetry, it's just so much more personal. You know, you, you can't just, it's something that it, it, it just reveals, I think, even with my poems, a lot more about myself than my short stories and about my novels. Would you like to read one of your poems to us? Yes, uh, and this is um, a, a piece called Silhouettes. Um, and it goes like this. A man in a foreign suit tells me he can sell my dreams. $50 on American for the sonnet. The depression I suffered at 17, he can sell it for two, two, 250 or 300, depending on whether I throw in the suicide I tried when I was 15. Buried behind the smoke of his puff, his silhouette hands me the ganja. Listen here, he tells me. The trick is to touch madness till it afflicts you mildly with philosophy of death and rebellion. What they do to people like you is trade your tragedies and make you live your deaths unpaid. But not me, I won't rob you. I'll only give away your shadows and leave the blood and pain for your body. I nod, I puff the ganja and bestow my livingness to him. I know I should cry, but you know, I'm only a silhouette. And that's, that's the end of it. That's the end of that little piece. Wow, there's so much power, not only in your words, but in your voice too. I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, the thing is that I've actually been reading your book. Um, I got it on Kindle. I couldn't get a physical oh copy, so I got it on Kindle. Yeah, I saw a few days ago when you tweeted that your it was out of stock. And I was like, oh, wow, I think that's when I followed you or something. I was like, this is amazing. Also because I try to like read a lot more local and especially local local poetry, just because like I don't think it gets as much love as it should. So I just was like, oh, my gosh, I finally found a local poet that, you know, is young and awesome. And let me check it out. So I got your book. You have the biggest smile right now. You know, when somebody tells you they bought your book and your whole heart just goes, oh, oh is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been reading your book and I'm like, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I'm not a poet. She's a poet. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> just... no. <laughs> You're right. I was just like, yeah. so I do feel like an imposter right now. I'm like, oh, okay, I really need to impress her. So, no okay. way. You've impressed me the moment I saw you and all of your accolades and achievements. I was, wow. And the way you speak. Oh, thank you. The, the way in which you read your poem now, wow. So much of power. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Have you faced thank any you. challenges? Pardon? Yeah. Uh, no, no, go on, go on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Have you faced any challenges as a writer? Um, yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, something that I think maybe a lot of young writers come across is that you kind of believe in yourself and you think to yourself, I, I have some talent in me and I can be a writer someday. But then um, you, you realize that it's not like necessarily the most lucrative thing uh, and also when you do start writing and you start sending out your, your stuff to literary journals and magazines, um, you get a lot of rejections and that can really knock you down, especially if you're like unknown uh, and you haven't had anything published. So you really can go back and just like um, think to yourself, maybe I'm not that talented, maybe I'm not worth investing in, maybe I, I shouldn't be writing. So. Uh, uh, that challenge was like a huge barrier for me and especially because I didn't know anyone in the industry you know I, there weren't any like tips 
on how to get published, how to write or anything like that. So I, I was trained as an engineer, uh, first of all. So I don't have an MFA or anything like that. So I think, you know, that kind of really knocked me back. Um, and I think if I maybe had um, a degree in creative writing or something like that, that could have boosted my confidence and a little bit. But because I came from such a scientific uh, background, an engineering background, um, I, I really needed to prove myself a lot. So when I did get the rejections, it did feel personal at some point, even though I know it wasn't. It's just that then you really do start doubting yourself as a writer. Uh, and maybe was, sometimes once you do get published, um, you, you really just want people to read your work. You know, I think a lot of us don't do this for the money because you realize there's not a lot of money for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, sure, you get like the big authors who get like millions out of their book deals. But for a lot of us, you know, you do it for the love. And so when you don't necessarily see that love after you've been published, either online or wherever, it does actually kind of feed into, again, that, that sense of not being good enough. So yeah, um, a lot of the issues that I faced maybe are kind of like self-imposed. I Maybe I just, <laughs> you know, like um, interpret things that I really shouldn't be, but yeah. Um, and of course, just in general, getting a publishing deal, in general, um, getting a publishing deal that you really like, you know, all those things, I think, um, as, a, as a creative person, you kind of have to be uh, prepared to deal with in general. Absolutely. I can definitely relate to all of those feelings. Um, it is a difficult, uh, well, if I could call it industry, the writing community in South Africa, especially. But the, mm. as a writer, those feelings are natural. And I like to look at the rejections as stepping stones instead of obstacles, because you overcome them mm. eventually. And you start yeah. to realize that it doesn't matter so much what um, the way your book is or your stories or your poetry is perceived. It matters that you get yeah. it out into the world and the right people will find it and appreciate it. Yeah, but I think getting to that point where you, you know, you have that kind of growth, that kind of maturity, I think is also something that a lot of us maybe struggle with, you know. Absolutely. Um, because Definitely. I, yeah, so I think it's it's a very like you said it's it's a very tough industry especially in South Africa it's a very small market from what I've you know experienced um it's not um kind of as revered as say Nigerian the Nigerian industry so you you there's a lot of blocks stumbling blocks that you would go through that you know that aren't even personally like inherently your problems but just the industry itself you know you have to like experience it so difficultly that's not a word but it's a word now <laughs> oh, I so I get what you mean yeah so yeah it's it's just one of those things that you shouldn't have to experience as a person but because of how maybe the industry is structured nearly everyone goes through it so yeah yeah that's crazy unfortunate mm. So tell us a little more about the awards you have won over the years. Yeah, um, the first uh, big one I won was uh, the Writerism Short Story Prize, which I won in 2019. Um, that one was so huge because I even got to go to Uganda. I got to meet like a whole bunch of uh, literary people. Like um, I think most of the literary friends that I have this day, I met through Writerism. 
And it just opened a lot more doors for me also just because a lot more people were reading my work and reviewing my work, which I was not used to because I'd only been published in spaces. I think only one time someone had reviewed a poem I'd written uh, for Fire uh, magazine. And then, but after, after the relativism thing, like people were reviewing my work, which I was, re again, really not prepared for, but a lot more people were also giving me feedback uh, via the DMs on Twitter, um, Facebook, all that stuff. Facebook came much later though, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter. So people were just like, I, then I knew for sure that people were reading my work. And then in 2020, I won the Dina Anne Debut Fiction Award, which is the thing that got me published as a novelist. Uh, so that one was just really awesome. Obviously, now I have a novel. And then the novel itself went on to be shortlisted for very major awards in South Africa. And, and it won one already, and then the others are pending. But yeah, it's just, um, it's a very sad reality. But what I've realized so far, I personally don't think these awards should matter as much as, much as they do. But the reality is that with these awards, I have seen like a, a perceivable kind of um, measurable kind of thing where I'm getting not only a lot more readers, but a lot more reviews and stuff like that. So the, the awards help. I wish it wasn't like that. Um, and, and, you know, because I have a, a difficult relationship with shortlist and longlist and all that stuff because like, I think it just, it also, it, it depends on the taste of who's on the panel and all of that stuff. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, So absolutely. they shouldn't yeah. less have as much. So that's been, the nice thing is that I've been able to get on these awards, but I kind of honestly do resent the fact that I had to get these awards for people to take notice of me. So it's kind of crazy. It's that weird relationship I have with these words. I'm like, oh, it's nice, you know, that now I have this on my CV. But at the same time, I'm like, they don't necessarily, in my opinion, reflect the best of what, you know, African writing is or writing in Africa is. But yeah, that's that's a conversation for another podcast, possibly. No, I definitely understand. And just recently, I read something on Twitter and um it said something about people don't appreciate talent so much um, until it's attached to like, well, the, the word they exactly. used was clout, but you know what I mean? Like, unless they are like um, achievements attached to it, people don't appreciate it so much. And we're not going to give it a chance. Yeah. yeah. yeah and for me, it came uh, like your achievements do mean that your work is, um, it, 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 it's well deserving but also I exactly. feel like uh, work without achievements also deserves to be read and appreciated all exactly. the time. yeah yeah that's my point that's my point so yeah um I, I have a very complicated relationship I appreciate them because I'm like oh I'm getting a lot more love uh, <laughs> and you deserve that yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's nice to be recognized also just for someone to say you worked hard here's a trophy yeah. you know <laughs> I think uh, as a writer the fact that we get down and actually complete writing a book we deserve an award exactly. for that because you know how much it takes to just I think because I spent so long <laughs> Thank you. Because I spent so long just struggling through like several manuscripts, you know, 
it's not that I'm getting the odds. I'm like, yeah, someone is literally giving me a literal trophy, but I would have wanted this trophy when I was still struggling. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I would have appreciated it a lot more when I was having writer's block and I was getting like 20 rejections a week. That's when I needed a trophy for someone to be like, you're enough, <laughs> but I'm getting it now. Like, it's, it's just kind of the strange kind of um, reality where it's after, I think now, I'm secure. I, I believe in myself a little bit more. I don't necessarily need outside validation, but it is now that I'm getting outside validation. But when I needed it most, I wasn't getting any. It was just, it's just a strange kind of, um, you know, transition from one side of, of the writing thing into another phase, I suppose. I understand. But also like in the journey of life, things have its own time of working out and happening but I'm so proud of you and I'm proud of all of your achievements oh thank you thank you so much (laughs) is your debut as an author what does it entail could you give us a little summary of the book yeah uh, the story is about um primarily I wrote it as a story about women in history specifically South African history South African history um and how you know like from the books that I've read, history just tends to focus just a little bit more on what men did during apartheid, like their struggles, their plight, all of that stuff. So I kind of wanted something different. So I went to like when the laws that led to apartheid were being passed, not apartheid itself, when the laws were being passed. But not only that, I I kind of wanted to hone in on what the women like how did this affect them like this changing world how did it affect their movements their personal lives their identity their sense of belonging and all of that um and that's why it's set in the 1920s um because it's a period of history that again so far personally I have not covered a lot in historical fiction I think a lot of uh, historical fiction I've seen tends to go from 1948 to uh, the 19, uh, late 1980s. Uh, so I just wanted a period that I also could explore with a lot more freedom. So yeah, it's about women um, and how they, the laws that were being passed um, that led up to apartheid, how that affected them. So things like you know the Land Areas Act, not the Land Areas Act, but its predecessor, something like the Natives Land Act, uh, which displaced a, a whole lot of black people. So how would that have affected, you know, the home structure, which is where uh, traditionally you would find some of these women. So how would that affect their movement, their evolution as people, how they related to each other, the kind of, um, you know, occupations they would then have to go to. It just, um, it, it, at its core, it's a story about women, but um, I, I outwardly, I dressed it up in, you know, uh, this family of of four people, and then a tragedy strikes, and then deal with the aftermath of that tragedy. So yeah, that's what the book's about. And I hope I, I I'm trying to not be spoilerish. That's hence the very overall <laughs> overarching <laughs> kind of you well, know thing. Interesting perspective, and it's unique. It's unique because um, not many books take the perspective of women. You know, it, especially in that period of time the focus isn't on them so I look forward to reading that oh thank you I hope you enjoy it (laughs) I I definitely will and especially because I know the author like I I enjoy a book more knowing 
I know the author because <laughs> after that I got a million questions and it's so fun having like yes. to ask them you know <laughs> yeah like where are they now kind of thing like where's yes. this character now what? <laughs> and yes. what happened and why but why exactly yes, yes. <laughs> is your book available for purchase and if so where can it be found and what does it cost ah uh, yes um the major retailers that have it would be your typical the cna bargain books exclusive books but smaller bookstores also do have it and um places like the book lounge and loot also have it uh where you can order it online but again i'm someone who will always champion the the reading in general even when i don't get for it especially when I because i feel like just reading is just important so if you can't get it in those places um libraries i know for a fact that the Houting department uh bought a whole lot of copies so if you're in Houting, you're in luck because uh, most of the libraries they are very likely to have it um and just your major libraries in general if you if you are not able to purchase it yourself uh, request your library to purchase it and then you can borrow it and then that way more people can read it for less money so yeah oh that's lovely yeah, and no, libraries are important <laughs> very important and you know the this whole uh lockdown and COVID-19 situation has made the restrictions at the library like I don't like it <laughs> because you only allow no, like, a certain period of time and then you you don't really feel like touching all of the books you know but you want to <laughs> and then you have we got paranoid <laughs> yes and <laughs> you only allow to borrow so many and it's just not okay yeah. for me yeah yeah no libraries did not get friendlier with the COVID thing but yeah I, I understand that a whole lot of people will just not be able to purchase it you know out of their own yes, pockets yeah so yes. I just want absolutely libraries to go back to normal <laughs> exactly it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah do you have a goal is there something you would like to achieve by writing or would you say you have already achieved that I feel like I've achieved some of my dreams, like simply being published, right? Uh, the first thing that I got published was online. And then secondly, being published in print. I, I, I don't know, maybe it's the literary snob in me, but I think we all want to see our work in print. Um, I don't know if you're the same. Yes, but definitely. When you want to read uh, <laughs> like a hard copy, exactly. I can do e-books. Exactly. And and you want your parents or your friends or like your, your auntie to hold it in their hands and take a picture with it. Like, yeah, it just, it, it just means more for me personally. So I've, I've, those uh, achievements, just seeing my parents like go to CNA just to see if it was there. And then they came back and they're like, oh, my gosh, I saw your book at CNA and someone was buying it. So that kind of like feeling was just amazing. But in general, I just want like more people, if I can somehow be instrumental in more people reading in general, but more specifically reading South African stories, village stories and stories about women, I think, you know, that would just be that much sweeter. Um, so working towards that is something that I hope to get into. And, you know, this book was in general more difficult to write because it was historical text it had to be a bit more formal i had to do a bit more research but in future uh works i do hope to be a bit more casual you know get people like make 
reading fun, you know, <laughs> make people want to read and something also that takes them out of their reality because I also realized this was a difficult book to read for some people, not because it was like a hard book or a bad book, or whatever. I will never say that about my own work, mm-hmm. but because it just dealt with such difficult subjects. Like there's a tragedy, as I said, that happens in the book. And I don't think that would be easy for certain people to deal with. You know, I want something, I want another book where people are just having fun and cackling and just, you know, just telling jokes about it. I want that also. And I feel like um, that kind of literature is very important and that could potentially get more people reading. This one, I think people would also take away just like the educational stuff also. But yeah, I try to be funny with everything, but you cannot be so funny with the subjects that I was dealing with in this book and that you do no, have I, to take. I get story. that. But I feel like this is a story yeah. that needed to be told. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, it's weird. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> as a writer, you kind of edit yourself. You're like, I want this to be a fun story, but We're very there's like racism <laughs> <myself>. happening. <laughs> Yes. No, you're like, racism is happening. It cannot be funny. You know? Okay, I get that. Yeah. So, yeah. But I guess a little light humor is okay-ish. I hope to write lighter work in future, just because um, it also takes a lot out of you as a, as a writer when you're writing something so heavy. Um for instance, there is uh, there are instances of hinting at slavery in South Africa and in the Caribbean, right? Mm-hmm. Doing that research really just it, it really stabs at your soul because you are, you know, one in one um, instance I had to research like you know quote unquote the ordinary life of a slave in the Caribbean. Like that's not going to be a fun subject for me to delve into. Not not as a writer, but as a researcher, as someone who's now consuming this content that deals with how someone was absolutely brutalized throughout their life. You know, it just it takes so much out of you also as a person who's trying to write this world. So it, it, it's not um, a thing that I think. I respect writers who can just go at it, you know, write tragedy and and still be willing to come back and write more tragedy and still be willing to come. Like, I respect those writers because I'm like, wow, you are so resilient. Um, yeah, it takes I don't a lot of exactly. only effort, but life out of us, you know, to write that. Yeah, yeah. I have to ask you to please talk to me about the endangered wild fruit the Balabido children once enjoyed during the summer. Thank you for asking. <laughs> no one asks ever. But yeah, when I was like, <laughs> you know, so I'm going to be like that old person, like back in my day now. Yeah, back in my day, uh, we, we didn't have phones, obviously. And I grew up in a village um, in the bushes. So we didn't have like things like PlayStation, Xbox, all that stuff. Uh, we only got them like, my brother got one last year but yeah I grew up in like a proper village and we used to go in summer in spring whenever the season allowed we'd go into the forest and we'd uh, get something like marula I think that one a lot of people know as amarula which is which makes the alcoholic drink so we used to eat those like um you know routinely um during summer and things like ditoma, machidi and the baobab fruit like a lot of people don't know that baobab trees have fruit they have fruit and the fruit is amazing. But yeah, so the, that stuff is kind of like being going extinct 
because I think global warming is just affecting us a lot more intensely than first world countries. So we don't necessarily get a lot of this um, anymore. But also in general, people have just like moved into those spaces. So those trees have been cut down. Some kids don't even know what these things I'm talking about are. And I just find that so sad. I'm like, dude, you would have had like the best childhood ever. But, you know, you can't experience those things anymore. So the, the, the nostalgia is, I think, a bit more than nostalgia, like simple nostalgia, because I've literally watched my village transform so much. Um, and it hasn't been all good. Like, yeah, it's nice to have like electricity and all that stuff. But also what we lost for some of these things, I think is just irreplaceable. Um, so that, that makes me sad a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just had the most amazing childhood, I think, yeah. That is so precious. And it's unfortunate when things like that change because it feels like a part of history is being destroyed because the future generation Actually, isn't going to be able to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. And my brother doesn't, my youngest brother doesn't know some of these words. And it's like, wow, like in one generation, you can literally wipe out a thing, you know, a piece of culture. It can be gone like that. That is deeply you know, saddening. Exactly. Shoki, before you could go, do you have any advice for the youth of South Africa and our young listeners with the passion for literature and writing? Yes, uh, I know like people have already told young people to just start by writing. So let's assume that you've written. Um, for me, the, the next thing that I would like to do in my career is kind of like help young people get their stories out there. I don't ever plan on running like a literary magazine. I think it's too much work. I see Troy all the time on the TL just stressed out. <laughs> um, one thing I can tell you is that as a young writer, you should always submit your work. Like if you're just writing for yourself, that's absolutely fine. But if you want people to read it, put it out there. It's like this one teacher of mine used to tell me, uh, used to tell the whole class, not just me, but if you have um, a difficult question in an exam and you don't put anything down there, they can't even mark you. They can't even like, you know, kind of rig the system for you. Just put something down and they can try to find meaning in that. So if you're a writer, just submit your stuff because you never know where it lands. Um, and someone's gonna pick it up one day, trust me. Um, and before you submit, please read the journals, what they publish, because a lot of the rejections that you get will end up being unnecessary because maybe you, you write horror and you are submitting to a sci-fi place. The sci-fi place will not publish your horror simply because you are nice and, and, and you know, you're all these amazing things that only your family at this point knows about. So please only submit to horror so you can spare yourself those um, rejections that you really don't need to be going through. And also just have people read your work, uh, not, 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 not literary magazines, whatever, and not your mom and dad, because your mom and dad will love everything that you do. But, um, you know, like people, if you have a writer's circle, if there's a writer's circle in your community, if there's a library initiative where, um, you know, you can submit stuff and it can be kind of analyzed. So that kind of stuff is very helpful. Get as much feedback as possible. And um, yeah, so all of that stuff and get your stuff out as early as possible. And again, uh, always be on the lookout for competitions. Um, literally just Google 
short story competitions that pay or short story competitions for horror or short story competitions for fantasy. So stuff like that, just be on the lookout, read the uh, guidelines, uh, see if you qualify. If you don't qualify, don't submit because again, that's a rejection that you really shouldn't be suffering. So yeah, I hope one day all of these practical pieces of information you know, it's just easily available because it could have spared a lot of us a lot of pain when we were starting out. Like I had to start from scratch. I didn't know what a submission portal was when I started out. So yeah, just also have a submittable um, account so you can submit stuff on there. So yeah, all of these practical things go through it. It becomes a lot like kind of managing a business where you are both the product and the seller, I don't know how that analogy works. I don't have any business knowledge, but yeah, think of it kind of like that. Oh, thank you so much. I think that is incredibly valuable advice for any budding writer. So thank you yeah. so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ekta. I can't believe you were interested in interviewing me. I hope you didn't like these speak forever. <laughs> no, I hope I didn't say stupid things. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, is there anybody you'd like to acknowledge or give a shout out to? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of writer friends now, people like Gelet uh, Zomobai. She has a book, If You Keep Digging. Terry Ann Adams, she wrote Those 11 Pages. Frances Ogamba, she writes short stories that are primarily published online. Uh, so all of those people have been very um, helpful like we help each other out and just in general like young south african authors please read them please buy their books if you can afford it if you can't please go to the library and still read them uh review them if you can so just support local local uh, literature please thank you so much it was an absolute delight speaking to you and um it it's an pleasure. honor to feature you on the show msc radio which is wishes you all the best in your future endeavors. Thank you so much, Ekta. Thank you for having me. I am so amazed at how you decided I should be on here, but thank oh, you. Oh, no, I'm so, I was so excited. <laughs> I'm still so excited. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.